Hello, this is Lisa Rose here on Connect to Love on PRNFM, and I am so delighted to welcome you and to welcome Michael J. Russ, my co-creator in this universal exploration of all the things wonderful. And so, Michael, I want to welcome our audience and also say welcome to you. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome, audience. It's a beautiful yeah. day here in paradise. It absolutely is. Michael, I... I so appreciate you because oftentimes in our audiences knows we do this show completely unscripted. And so Michael will tune into something and, or I might, and we will reach out to me and then it starts my thought processes, wondering and wandering and everything else. And so I was thinking about how in this world, there is sort of like a universal language that sort of transcends all verbal barriers. And, and that is the language of the heart which we drop into, but it's also the language of sound and what's invisible to us. And we cannot see sound, we cannot see love, but we feel it. It's a vibration. There is something that comes from that, those, those vibrations that we receive. And vibration really is energy moving. And so when you get the energy moving, you think about all the way from the dawn of humanity where communication skills were not what they are now, where we have all of these apps that we can change from one language to the other. And so how did people communicate? And one of the ways that they did that was actually through percussive instruments. You look at how our ancestors gathered together and the power that rhythm had, that it elicited emotion and also messages. It gave birth to a lot of different things that sort of laid the foundation for this universal language that transcended everything. And if you've ever been to a parade where you hear a big bass drum and the drummer will strike the drum with the mallet and you've got all of these you know, drums in a, in a drum line, they'll go through and you'll feel it. You Not only do you, do you hear it, but you also feel it. And many years ago, I had an opportunity to see the group Kodo. I don't know. Do you, are you familiar with Kodo, uh, Michael, the, the, yeah. the traditional Japanese drumming? Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking, um, yeah, I have. I've seen them several times. Yes, and it is nothing. I thought to myself when somebody said to me that I was going to go listen to drums, (laughs) oh, my goodness, Uh, this is going to be interesting. How can I sit through the whole evening? And I was literally completely mesmerized, and I left there in such an ecstatic state. And in Japanese, the word koto, it actually means heartbeat which is, of course, the primal source of rhythm. We think about our mother's heartbeat in the womb. We think about those vibrations that we hear. Um, we know we're in this amniotic sac, so I don't recall what that sounded like, but I would imagine that it would have that same cadence and same vibration that you would hear when you are striking a drum. Um, and what's so fascinating, and, and when Michael brought this topic up to me, I thought about that. I went back to that time where I watched this very uh, tiny Japanese man literally anchor himself uh, by straps into this massive drum. And just to watch the sheer physical strength and to feel it in my heart, <laughs> and every every cell of my body was nothing short of miraculous. So that's sort of what we're going to explore today. How we're going to explore the invisible uh, vibration, sound, how it changes us, how it impacts us. And you know, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts, Michael. Um, you being a drummer, and and how music really unites uh, cultures from all corners of the world. That's very thank you. Uh, wonderful introduction. Yeah, drums. Interesting. I know that I uh, back when I was five, six, I was um, had rhythms in my head, and I used to take those rhythms uh, out on furniture and other various uh, things around the house. And my mother got tired of it one day when I turned sometime in my seventh year of life. She got tired of it and said, "That's it. I'm taking you to." 
to the officers club drummer for drum lessons and i said oh great so <laughs> you know from that point on i i've been playing but i've had this um intuitive i, I refer to myself as an intuitive drummer um mm-hmm. i moved too many times i used to i, I used I had I've had lessons to learn how to read music, jazz music, and that sort of thing. But I had to. We had to, we went to Turkey. We had transferred to Turkey uh, a year and a half into learning that, and there was nobody over there who could carry on the learning. And you know what happens then? You just mm-hmm. don't carry it on, and that's it. You kind of lose it. So I uh, I sit down and kind of play by feel, play by ear, play by intuition. When I play with a live group, it's a, a function of me. Um, just kind of sitting into the saddle, so to speak, and into the rhythm of whatever it is that's going on. And it's really fascinating when you can do that uh, because it, you're, you're listening to everything, right? You're mm-hmm. listening to the bass player, you're listening to the guitar player, you're listening to the, the rhythm that's being laid down and where the music is actually going. And uh, in California, I was always the sit-in. I was, I was the uh, uh, sit-in drummer. So they would, if I'd say, you know, I can't play with you full time because I don't have the ability to do that time wise. But if you, you know, if you need a drummer to sit in because your other drummer can't make it, call me. I'll be here in, you know, half an hour and uh, I'll, you know, I'll play with you. And that would, that would happen at least a couple times a month, uh, sometimes three times a month. I'd get a call from uh, this blues guy and he was an old time blues guy. He was like 80 years old. He knew all the old blues guys out of the South had played with him before, Muddy Waters, I mean, you name it, all these guys. And uh, he'd call me, and he, basically, I, I can say that I'd play four hours with the guy without really only knowing the the names of probably 10% of the songs, if that, that he, that he called out, that he played. I mean, I didn't know the music. I mean, I didn't know where it was going. He would just simply, he would look over at me, mm. he, would say, he would say, four, four, stop time. And I said, okay, good. So I knew that basically at some point uh, there was going to be, it was a song that involved stop time, which is basically a stop, a halt somewhere within the song, and then it gets picked up again uh, four beats later. And so uh, two to four beats later, depending on what it is that he's, uh, what he's got going on. So, you know, you just, and I'd simply, he'd tell me the tempo. He'd, he'd, he'd give me the tempo really quickly and he'd say stop time because to alert me the fact that there was going to be stop time somewhere in the song uh, because not all songs, very few songs have that, but a lot of blues songs do and a lot of jazz songs have that. So we play all kinds of things, Girl from Ipanema, I mean really just different kinds of beats. We play some straight ahead jazz. Mm. We play some straight shuffle blues. Uh, I mean it's just, he'd say, he'd yell out shuffle. to some. Boom, boom. I didn't know the name of the song. I don't know what the heck. And so when he was ready to end the song. Um, that was the most interesting thing. The gift I have is the ability to tell when the song is going to end. And everybody I've ever played with is fascinated by that. By how in the world did you know that song was going to end? And I'd say, <laughs> that's amazing. I can feel it. I can mm-hmm. sense it. I'm listening to the music, and I know the music's going somewhere. And I'm watching people too, uh, because. Sometimes the bass player just will will look over and say, well, you know, they'll start and say, "Watch me, you know, watch me." And uh, I had the pleasure of playing with this group Poco one night. Poco's an '80s band, uh, rock, sort of soft rock band, and uh, I couldn't remember a darn song that they that they came out with. But they had like I think two or three top top twenty hits on the Billboard charts, and really cool group. <laughs> But the, at the time, a buddy told me, hey, yeah, Poco's coming to play at my party. You know, you probably sit in with them. Well, they, these guys came up, and they, they played, and uh, they said, hey, you want to sit in? And I said, yeah, sure. And I'm like, I told the bass player, I said, I'm just going to tell you straight up, I don't know what darn thing you guys play, but just give me an idea of what, you know, give the tempo, and we'll move forward on it, and I'll pick up on it. And I did it. Before. I played four songs with them. <laughs> the guy, after we got done, the, the the leader of Poco the lead singer comes over to me he goes he goes man you can come down to Key West and play with us anytime anytime that's so nice yeah and I said yeah that's fantastic considering the fact that I don't know still don't know a darn thing you guys play but I have to you know if I'm going to come down there <laughs> this is like this is like twelve years ago twelve thirteen fourteen years ago but he was a he was a really nice guy but you know the other day we talked about being daring and taking risks and I kind of mentioned at the time that 
that I love to do that. But that's really what we're talking about. We're talking about um, about being daring, believing in yourself to the point where you put yourself in a position where you have to succeed. I wouldn't say cannot fail. I would say have to succeed. Because if you start thinking about failure, your mind goes in a totally different place. And that place is risk-averse, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be uh, pro-risk, which means you want to think success. And that's the way I do it. I sit down and I, um, I basically think success. And when I'm focused on that, now I'm focused, my mind, my, my, my intuition's kicked in, my creativity's kicked in, um, and I am feeling the music, and I am in a space of focus that is completely and utterly devoid of anything outside of, uh, off the stage. Everything off, nothing. I don't see people, I don't see lights, I don't see anything. I just basically, and my eyes aren't even closed, I'm just, I just don't see anything out there. It's like darkness. And I'm just focused on what's going on on stage. Now, I'll tell you one last little story about this, which is really kind of interesting. Because I have a friend that lives in Maui, Hawaii. And uh, there's a, I went over to Hawaii for a week to see him. And he was, we, we started out on, in Waikiki in Honolulu. And uh, so <laughs> this is about 20, this is about 24 years ago, 22, well, 23, 24 years ago. And I said, okay, great. He, said, he says, let's go to this, let's go down to Aloha Tower. Um, my buddy, who's very well known on the island, uh, he was a, a guitarist who was very, he like Allah. He was a big Jimi Hendrix fan, a big Chicago blues fan. He played all, his group played all kinds of music. And they were playing Aloha Tower. It was about 250 people. And I'm standing back at the bar with he and his sister. His sister's like the number one Hawaiian singer on the entire island. They're, they have Hawaiian, deep Hawaiian t- blood heritage uh, through his grandmother, uh, their grandmother. And so we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm like, uh, we're there two hours, and, they, and I hear this, yeah, there's a special guest in the audience tonight, and uh, he's going to come up and play a couple of tunes. Michael Russ, come on up. And I said, what? <laughs> I, looked at, nice. I looked at my buddy. I looked at my buddy, and I, he said, surprise. <laughs> said, now, get this. My buddy's never heard me play. He'd wow. never heard me play a lick, yet he's going to put me in front of 250 people with <laughs> With Willie Kay, this guy, Willie Kay is like, everybody knows this guy on all the islands, as far as music goes. And I said, yeah, okay, dude, all right, all right, yeah, sure. I'm like, yeah, okay. So I, I, you, you can't not, you can't say no. The dude has already called you up to the stage. So I walk up to the stage, and I sit down behind a drum set I've never played before. And so the whole setup is completely and totally foreign to me. And <laughs> he says, okay, let's, play. let's start out playing some Chicago blues. And we started out playing some Chicago blues, and then we went through, we played some James Brown, a couple of James Brown numbers. And then he, gave, he, said, he, he said, take it away, and he gave me a solo. And I'm like, I forgot to tell him, don't give me any solos, because I'm, you know, number one, I'm not warmed up or whatever. And so all these people are in the audience, and everybody else around me in the band stops. <laughs> So I'm like, I said, you want to talk about being in a situation where you absolutely have to succeed. Because what right. I didn't tell you is that yeah. I forgot to breathe when I was in oh, the first couple of songs. What happens when you don't breathe? Your muscles <laughs> get lightheaded. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Muscles kind of seize up a bit, right? That's oh, kind of what happens boy. when you're breathing heavy and you forget to breathe. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're focused and, and, and you're like, wow. I, I said, so luckily I got through that. And, and after that, and I told my buddy, I got back to the bar, I said, I forgot to tell him no solos, man. I'm just like, it, you just, it's, it was crazy. But then he invited me to play in Maui uh, two days later at a place, a place in Kihei in, in, in Maui where the band was going to be the next And so I went and played for a couple more songs with him. But that, awesome. that kind of, yeah, the, the, the fact is, though, it's interesting because blues music is, very melodic and mm-hmm. I love playing I love playing shuffles I love playing blues shuffles um, and if anybody ever seen uh, the movie Crossroads uh, or I don't have you ever seen the movie Crossroads 
No, I haven't. Ralph Macchio. Ralph Macchio is. Um, it was in uh, this movie. It was back in the. It's back in the uh, late eighties, early nineties. Um, but it's a. It's a. It's a movie about Robert Johnson, who was the. Who's supposed to be the the father of of modern blues, and he. Mm. Yeah, he was a. Uh, the story was he wanted to play really. He wanted to be the best guitar player in the world and win a new genre. And he went to the crossroads, someplace down south, where two roads intersected in the middle of nowhere. And he made a deal with the devil that if he, if he, you know, he he could have his soul if he could play the be the best guitarist on the planet. And uh, you know whether that's true or not, who, who the heck knows. Bottom line is, uh, Robert Johnson created a kind of guitar where he uses a he used a um uh a little pipe on his finger are you familiar with slack key guitar where you you uh-huh, uh, yeah uh-huh. bonnie ray yep. is really good at it bonnie ray is really awesome at this in playing like that but it literally it's like um he he created that that concept of playing with that with a uh, with with this little steel pipe thing on your finger, where you kind of come up and down and create this this sound on the guitar. Um, interestingly enough, side story: my brother, uh, who's an actor, was uh, picked to play because he he does really play guitar in real life. Uh, we'd played a long time since he played since he was nine years old. Um, two years after, uh, actually a year after me, he started playing guitar. And so he played, he was chosen to play Robert Johnson in the movie. So he was, oh. so in the beginning of the movie, it's my brother standing at the crossroads. Oh, and my goodness. It's my brother in the studio who, the studio is a, uh, is a guy from, uh, I think it's Sun Records or something like that. I hope, I'd have to look it up, but from a record company that recorded white artists that was now interested in recording um, uh, black artists, and um, because there was a popularity, and they wanted to get on the front of the wave, and so this guy went to, to the city where Robert Johnson lives. He lived, and he set up his little recording gear uh, to uh, to make a recording of Robert Johnson. And Robert Johnson didn't like to play facing the audience. He faced away from the audience. It's really interesting. So mm. he was sitting there in the hotel room. And he's he's in a corner. He's faced away from the guy, right? He's got his back to to the guy to the to to the, with the microphones on the other side. But he's got his back to him. And he and my brother actually had to learn. He learned from Robert Johnson himself how to play that type of guitar, which is really um, the 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 cat's meow when it comes to uh, being able to learn from someone, he learned from the best. And, uh, cause when you're in a movie, they bring in the people who know how to do it. And he brought in Robert Johnson. And he showed him, he showed him how to, how to play that, which was really, really cool. Um, but that kind of guitar, uh, the blues is just, it's melodic. It, uh, it's, it's raw. It's, it's a style of music that, uh, is, is just, soulful and and to be able mm. to play it as a, as a drummer is really rather cool really rather cool yeah. because it does it, it it is it gets it goes through your whole body it's just a rhythm that just carries on and on and on and you can't help but uh love it and if you've never heard it before fall in love with it you know it's not that uh, do it so that's true yeah we you know when you said johnson i thought you know and i don't know if you've ever heard him or heard of him but there's a, a blues guitarist his name is justin johnson and i found him just by accident uh when i was looking it was like one of those things that popped up and he plays a shovel guitar and it was so fascinating to me because it's basically three strings that he attached to a garden shovel and he he made like the the spacing on it and to watch him and and that the sounds were so fascinating to me and and it's and that's sort of what I was speaking about when you have something that really transcends the barriers of language you feel that vibration it just impacts you, and and I just I couldn't get enough. I went to his his thing, and, and I think that he does play the the others. But now he sells these shovel guitars. 
<laughs> and makes them and uh and you talk about like daring you know putting yourself out there putting yourself out uh to say, you know what, I'm going to try something a little bit different. This is a handmade instrument. I'm going to give it a whirl. And you go back to whatever the, the roots are that took you to, to where you are. And, and it's about, again, being authentic and innovative. And I think that that's sort of the connection when you have drumming like you you do, where you just get up. And you're done with your set and you look around and you've transformed what's gone on in the audience. And I couldn't imagine, I, I was a big, I love music of all different types, but I was a big, really big into heavy metal uh, growing up. I loved the drumming. I loved watching it. I loved the, the, just the nuances of it. Not that I wasn't fascinated with guitars, but there was something about drumming and I was sort of like, a closet drummer like you and your mom said, okay, come on, we're going to get you lessons. I never got lessons, but I really, there was something so transformative of it. And I think it takes us back to those ancient connections, to those sacred drum circles, to the powwows, to uh, the African drums, all of those different traditions that really resonate with how humanity created and how they communicated. I, and I and I think it it really connects us. It's like that love connection, those that heartbeat, the what's emanated from the heart. And I think that that's what's so interesting about drumming because it is very therapeutic. It relaxes, it energizes you, it soothes you. It actually affects the vagus nerve. They've done a lot of studies and. They use it um, for anxiety and depression. And you think about, you know, that drumming and how it affects your heart rate. And I think sometimes people put those subwoofers in their car. <laughs> it's like, you know, they're craving that beat. They're, you know, it's a little too loud for me, and I feel it. I really feel it in my thymus. You know, it's not so much the type of vibration that I'm interested in. I like it actually just the, the natural vibrations from the, the actual drum has to my, to my chest and to my ear. I think it really does make a difference. But, you know, you think about how sound they use it. Uh, a friend of mine called me because last night because her sister has kidney stones. And I said, well, what about ultrasound? Mm-hmm. Sound. Sound healing the kidneys. Sound healing broken bones. Sound right. affecting our brain and increasing the theta waves you know the waves of the brain that get us into a space where we are you know whether it be deep in meditation and healing uh, you know i i happen to enjoy binaural beats where it, it simulates one part of the brain and then it goes to the other and it makes it go back and forth and for me i can have very little sleep but if i'm listening to those beats, I wake up so refreshed. It's amazing. Hmm. Amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. Where do you listen? Uh, do you get those off uh, YouTube? or? Yeah, a lot of times. And then um, there's another, Dr. Jeffrey Thompson, who was sort of one of the pioneers in sound therapy. I absolutely, I, he has different ones for the awakened brain. So there's uh, theta, delta, alpha wave, healing, beta wave. And he, and he generates the sound based on what um, you want to elicit. Now, he has a Delta Sleep system. That's sort of how I found him because he had like a nap series where you could listen to this music five minutes, 15 minutes, a half hour, and wake up refreshed. And at first when I got them, I thought, there's no way I'm going to feel a difference. But you, you, you go into a sleep, and as soon as that music is done, you're just you're wide awake and you're ready to go. So it's really like made a big difference in in my world. I I re- used to recommend his his CDs to a lot of different clients and my practice because just that being able to get into that state and to you know you don't really realize that your your brain is being affected, and and you know I'm very very careful about the sounds that I curate. I'm sure that you are the, the ones that you surround yourself with. I mean, you put on a, a, a piece of music and 
it literally can transform your day. You can be having the worst day and you're getting jump in your car and <laughs> get this melody coming out and, and if there's uh, the right type of drums in there, wow. You're you're you just you forget even what was bothering you. It it has that ability. Yeah. Well, that music has a way to focus you. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's it can you know, <laughs> there's music that I curate, I have a little playlist that I play drums to when I need to play four or five songs, um, different kinds of rhythms, and it, there's no doubt about the fact that it, it is, it's alchemy. Music is alchemy. It's very transformative, and it can take you from one mood to another mood, uh, and I find myself now uh, shazamming songs that come on uh, television shows or movies, uh, because mm-hmm. uh, the, the the music has been curated to set a specific mood, right for the movie. Uh, and mm-hmm. there are some songs that I have that I have shazammed in the last six months that have been absolutely glorious, just beautiful. Just when you hear them, they touch your hearts, they play your heartstrings. That's how you know just magical the music is. And after. I don't know, after a month, you don't even know where you, you don't know what movie it was associated with, but you hear it, and it has that way of just getting to your, just playing to your soul, just going in and reaching a hand in and touching your soul, and, and you're like, wow, that is so amazing. You, you, you become emotionally happy and joyful, right? From, from, Mm -hmm. that's what they were looking to, that was what they were looking to evoke. Uh, with the music at that particular point in the movie, and you know, it's it's the whole business of of finding songs by artists to uh, to complement the, the the a script in a movie to convey a feeling is uh, an art to its own um, and mm-hmm. one that is spectacular. But I'll tell you, there are some really 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 special people uh, doing that in the movie industry. So, I mean, I, I like agree. it. I mean, it's, yeah, there's so many, I mean, there's just, you just sit back and you close your eyes and you're like, oh my gosh, that is beautiful. You know, and, and in many, many, many ways, just the way that, it, that it's put together. But there's some, some very creative people out there, thank goodness for YouTube where people can, uh, and, and TikTok and whatever, all these social media. That's the, to me, that's the good part of social media where you can have mm-hmm. people are individual artists that are putting snippets of things they've written, uh, talent that they're displaying with regard to various instruments up uh, so that the whole world can uh, get a, a taste. So they can share their, their, uh, who they are, share what their expertise is, their level of their, their talent, their gift, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. And that, to me, that's the wonderful thing about social media that and it's what I use YouTube for more than anything else that and and um, enlightening myself <laughs> we both do that mm-hmm. but enlightening myself with regard to that so um, it, it's interesting because AI now on Spotify and Pandora and Apple music if you listen to something a, a certain genre of music it will put together playlists for you in that genre of music and say oh here's Michael's number one, Michael's number two, Michael's number three, you know, um, and, and you'll learn something new. Uh, you'll, you'll find a new song. I find that, that uh, in listening to, I listen to smooth jazz radio, uh, and I'll, just in the background, and I'll, I'll list, I'll, a, a song will catch, catch me, and mm-hmm. catch me. It'll, it'll, it'll resonate through me, and I'll go, whoa, what is that? You know, and I can hear the groove, and I can hear the, the chorus and the melody, and I can hear uh, the harmony. I can hear everything in it, and I'm going, "Wow, that is a great that's a that's a well constructed piece of music." And I'll go to Shazam it, and I'll you know pick it up, and then I'll listen to it later on, add it to my collection. And because I don't listen to too much radio, uh, other than maybe streaming or my own playlist, um, I'm very cognizant when I go into a store where I'm. Uh, when I'm in an elevator, when I'm uh, wherever I am out and about. I don't go to malls very much uh, anymore, but uh, the music that plays uh, in many cases is it, it, it's there, it's, it's being played for a reason because of the way it makes you feel relaxed, right? Oh, absolutely. And there's, and there's some cool 
songs that you can that you can just melodies and things that you can pick up that you would never ever in a million years find on your own. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm guided to the music that I that I uh, that I you know Shazam for myself that I find and uh, and add to my to my playlist. And I only need a little snippet of it. And I'm go whoa whoa wait a minute I need to need to check that out. Or maybe there's some sort of melodic singing to, that that's a, a part of it, which is you know just touches your heart. The music I just mm-hmm. love the music that just touches your heart and soul. You just you just listen to it and it just makes you feel so good. Makes you feel amazing. Mm-hmm. As if you can do anything. You know, that's the kind of like about movies. Movies, I love watching movies where at the end, and the, a lot of true story movies, you know, are based on a true story. Like, because the story is so fantastic. It makes you feel absolutely phenomenal at the, at the end, and the music goes along right along with that. And sometimes, right. yeah, sometimes it's the music that plays after the music's over during the credits. <laughs> that's, that's even more phenomenal sometimes, is the music that, that plays then, they, that they, uh, they curate for the end of a movie. So, I don't know. You know, music is all throughout my life. Uh, my mother sang, my, my brother plays guitar, my sister had a life, made a life out of music for kids and uh, for, as, a, as a form for early childhood educa- education uh, and in writing educational music and producing educational music. And I, you know, I just love it. Uh, it's it's woven throughout my life and luckily and uh to our audience out there you know the beautiful thing about music nowadays is that it's a lot easier to curate a playlist for yourself that is directed at whatever you're doing whatever your thinking is whatever your frame of mind is and you can you can create music like I'll just tell you for example i have i got back in the in 1998 i think it was when I wrote my first book, the golf book, when I was sitting down uh, writing the script, I was listening to a CD by, uh, I bought these three CDs from the metaphysical store, Mozart, the Mozart effect. Mm. One is strengthening the mind, so it's all Mozart's music that is on a certain wavelength that straightens the mind. There's the music, this is the one I listen to, like incessantly, over and over and over again, Unlock the Creative Spirit uh, is the other one. And the third is Heal the Body. So I, I listened to those. So I had the creative, you know, Igniting the Creative Spirit. I played that over and over and over again on my CD player as I was writing the script. And I did that for the first three books. Um, because it, yeah, the music, Mozart's music... Um, has a way of someone here has kind of categorized the music based on its its melodies and and things to uh, to be able to spark creative spirit mm-hmm. and uh, healing uh, the body uh, and mind body and spirit and I loved it I, I I used music for that purpose you know because if you if you're if you're playing something that that's aggressive something that that is disruptive you're not going to tap into those creative juices now you got to be very careful about what you allow into your mind we've talked about that a lot and uh music with with words with vocals doesn't often it it to me it's interruptive it's Mm -hmm. i have to have something that's just kind of kind of i don't know how you could write and and do that and yeah, it, it's like yeah, yeah, and stay in that and stay in that flow state. And I think you know, artists, musicians, and writers often talk about being in that flow state. And when they are, that's when they create their best work. And so, for you listening to that over and over and over again, I would imagine that it increased your brain theta activity, which is the low frequency, high amplitude. It, it it's like creative ideas and innovation when you're in that. And you have that right. heightened state of relaxation. You're open to new possibilities. There is a lot of amazing things in that in that state. And when you are in that state, state, you know not only can you solve problems better, but it is just an overall better mental state for relaxation. And I think you know I'm really happy that you brought up 
listening to, to music like that because I think I saw just a very funny meme the other day. It was a girl sitting in the car and she said, I love driving by myself because I could listen to the same song over like 13 times in a row and nobody can say anything. <laughs> and I think all of us have done that. We, we are like, oh my gosh, I love that song. Okay, I got to listen to that again. And then again, and it, it, it just, it, it is, it elicits a feeling that you just can't get enough. And I mean, I think there is, I don't remember even who sang that song, whether it's uh, just can't get enough, just can't get enough. Um, oh, I said my, it was like an 80s band or something. I'll think about it. But um, when you, you, you have that feeling and there's so much joy and it's like, feed me, you <laughs> little shop of words with the flower. Feed me, Seymour. Right. Give me more of, exactly. more of that. I want a more. lot more of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It, <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I I am very guilty of it. I some some songs, and I don't ever get tired of listening to them. And you know, I think I over <laughs> sometimes probably would wear out the CDs that I had in that particular section because that it's exactly what it is. But I think that you know, you when you have that. Uh, Resonance, and it does have to do with resonance. It has to do with those rhythms. It has to do with what maybe it is. It is the heart that the the. It's like okay, my heart needs that vibration. I'm feeling that. Um, and there is something that actually I started listening to um, recently, and I found it so fascinating because they were speaking about the the vagus nerve and how if you would place the hands on either side of your neck and then just hum and hmm, and you feel that vibration in your hands and it's like a humming bee and they have found that beekeepers and I found this and so of course I'm always interested in longevity is that beekeepers tend to live very long lives and they believe that it's related to the humming of the bees and so if you start to research the vibrational resonance that these bees put off it's extremely healing to the body now of course for somebody that has a phobia of bees perhaps it would not be that way but they have found that that you can actually do that yourself whether you decide to put your hands on the side of your neck and how like take a deep breath in and create that and really feel it and I think that's why we hum as human beings you know you're doing something and you're not really thinking and all of a sudden you'll find a melody and you'll just you'll think what am I humming <laughs> you don't really think exactly. about it but we're feeding ourselves that energy. So true. So true. That's exactly okay. That's exactly yeah. okay. You're doing that. You're feeding yourself. And it, it's it's fun to um, to be able to um, now more easily kind of curate music wherever the heck you are. You can be walking around somewhere. I listen to music in one earbud sometimes when I'm playing golf. Just in one, one ear. Uh I have one earbud on my right ear or my left ear. Uh, depends on whether I'm driving or I'm <laughs> not driving, um, sitting in the passenger seat. But yeah, that's 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 what I love to um, that's what I love to do uh, because it it helps relax me. It uh, in golf you have you, you have to have a cadence uh, about you. If you're if you're moving too quickly. Uh, then you have a tendency to um, be too fast in your execution. And you want to be able to walk at a a leisurely pace, kind of slow things down, slow the pace down, slow your breathing down so that you're you're not excited in any way. And uh, that's that's what I love about it. Uh, When I'm out on my own walks, sometimes I'll listen to a specific music track. Um, because it puts my mind in the, in a state that is relaxed uh, and has me focused on you know what's going on around me. It's fun. It's absolutely fun. And then of course it's fun just to have silence when you're out too, um, because the world has a music of its own when it comes to birds, uh, other animals in, in in the forest. The wind blowing through the trees is is phenomenal. 
when that's happening. I mean, there's there's a rhythm. Uh, when they say rhythm of life, life does have a rhythm. Mm-hmm. What we should, what we, our challenge is, is, is being able to uh, actually pay attention to that rhythm, pay attention to that rhythm, and uh, and how that rhythm impacts us. And that, to me, is 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 really really awesome. I'll be sitting outside sometimes and in the back in the back porch and or patio and just you know it's just so beautiful. You're looking at at the the, the pine trees, you know, people walking, you know, down playing golf because one of the fairways runs behind the house. Um, birds. You have we have osprey that that feed in the ponds over here, so they're always flying over. And the other day, uh, this is off topic a little bit, but uh, I didn't. I don't, I don't think I sent this to you, but um, I'm in my office and I'm looking out the window, and a bald eagle decides to. You did fly, send me. Actually, we were on the phone when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, that bald eagle is right there. It flew, it wasn't any longer, any farther than about 50 yards from me, uh, up in the tree on a limb. And it just sat there, and I ran downstairs. I think it probably got off the show. I'll call you back. <laughs> I ran downstairs and, and uh, went outside. And when I walked out the door, it had flown from that tree to an even closer tree up about uh, 30 feet. And it was looking around. It was definitely noticing that we were there because these, these birds can spot a mouse from 500 feet. Um, and so I, it was just so majestic. It sat there and sat there. And there was another little bird, um, a sparrow something, that was perturbed with it being where it was on that branch. It was, it was just sitting there, just looking out. And uh, I know it was looking at something, um, but... Lord knows what that was. But this little bird was perturbed. And this bird was like, hey, get out of my space. And so it was literally coming and flying circles around this bald eagle and telling it to get out of here. You know, like, hey, my nest is over there maybe. I don't, I don't really know. But uh, you're in the wrong spot, pal. You know, and it just kept bugging the bald eagle and bugging the bald eagle until the bald eagle just said, okay, I've had enough. And it flew away. <laughs> You know, so you're like, oh, my gosh, this, is, this bird could, could literally take a wing and whack you out of the air, and you're out there doing this. You're, you're, you're pecking at it. You're flying around in a circle around its head and everything, and it's, it's not moving or anything. It's just like it knows you're there. Uh, you're just trying to do everything. It's trying to do everything it can to disturb the, 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 the bald eagle. such a majestic bird. There's a couple that live in the area. Um, yeah, I know it's a digression from, from music, but it's it's – it's the rhythm no, of life. It's, it happen. is. It, it, you're absolutely right. It is the rhythm yeah. of light. I mean, if you're yeah. outside and you, you see the rain, it's like a rainstorm, and there's that rhythm of the sound. I mean, sometimes in the summertime, you know, to listen to the sound of the rain is so incredibly peaceful to be in. As you mentioned, in the woods, I love walk i don't i don't walk with music or anything else when i'm i'm out walking the dogs it's just the sounds that i hear and those rhythms in nature and the different things that you hear and then every now and then i'll get the woodpecker and i'll be like peck 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 <laughs> it's like where yeah. are you where are you i hear you i hear you in the spring but we'll get the it is mhm yeah, yeah i agree no, with you. You you feel it. You feel it. I mean, there's a certain joy, uh, you know. You and you think about like a lot of the um, things that go back. I mean, you know, music is medicine and vibration. And th- I worked a lot with uh, resonance and vibration in my holistic health practice, and so. You know, you really start to understand the power of things like singing bowls. And, and a lot of this, I, I think, I can always laugh because it, people refer to it as new age stuff. <laughs> no, no, this goes back to, you know, probably 500 B.C., if not even yeah. more so. Very, very, that, very ancient they, times. You, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very yeah, ancient you, times with the bowls. Um, but you know it's new age because you know people just they don't understand it. 
You know, anything you don't understand, you label in some way as being as being negative. Uh, ne- label in some negative way, and that's it's uh, instead of being open to understanding. Hey, what is that? You know, what is that? What does that do? Um, it gets cubbyholed into um, as, as something that you know is woo woo that's out there and that you no know, doesn't work uh, or whatever. It's been around forever, fast longer than the. Than the than the drugs that are that people are taking right now to fix oh, absolutely. their disease and ailments, you know, and sure. so time tested, time honored, uh, and and time respected uh, modalities that you know misunderstood is always you know poo pooed in some way, and that's oh yeah, but if you go back you go back to the 1700s yeah. and and I I'm not a, I think Probably it was Daigle. And you, it was the, he did some research on the effects of drumming, actually the, the sound of drumming, and how it affected the heart rate, respiration, pulse, and the blood pressure of the different patients. And what he found was that the sound lowered blood pressure, increased heart function, you know, decreased the pulse rate, and improved the whole overall um, function of the nervous system. So... You know what? Do you do you pick up a, a a drum kit, or you know you want to go pick up your prescription, or you want to listen to binaural beats, or you want to do whatever, right? I mean, I agree. I agree. There's there's a lot out there. Yeah, so many different modalities that we we don't even know about uh, that are being, um, and and a lot of it is, again, the five inches between our ears. It's it's what we. Um, believe is possible our perception of things really kind of dictates in many ways how your body reacts to it and responds to it and if you're feeling the love of a, of a song that's going to take you places that's going to um going to elevate your frequency it's going to and your and thus your mood and your frequency and uh it's going to be a form of alchemy to take you from wherever you are now to to someplace completely different um, in in thought and feeling, and hopefully mm-hmm. action, because you know we're, yeah. we talk about being more loving beings, being more kind and empathetic and compassionate, and uh, music can support that intention, those intentions. Absolutely. And you yeah. said, did you say you li- were listening when you were writing your book? You were listening to Mozart. Yeah. Uh, so Mozart tuned his music to four thirty two which is a healing frequency. And, you know, the Gregorian chants, which I also enjoy listening to, I find them very meditative. We're tuned to 528, which they say is the frequency of the heart. Uh, yeah, frequency love. of love. Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely it true. seems so simple. <laughs> and it's not so far out of reach. I mean, you know, what does turning on a playlist cost you? Uh, you know, if the the music's on YouTube or on your your iPod or whatever it is, you, whatever you, wherever you store your your music. Um, Better watch it. You're dating phone. yourself with an iPod, girl. I know. I, I, still, <laughs> I still have mine. You know, yeah, though I never I, got rid of it. Broke it still works. Mine broke oh. <laughs> But I mean, yeah. you think right now, it, it's it's we've been through them all. I mean, the whole the the. The concept of where things have come just you know where things have come just in the past twenty years um, mm-hmm. and I was looking at uh, um, digression again, I just keep thinking about this while watching uh, uh, antiques Roadshow on uh, mm-hmm. the PBS show, uh, which is so fascinating because uh, they go all over the country and people wherever they are, people come from miles around bringing their, uh, their antiques and things they think that are old, that have value, things that have been passed down through generations in their family. And, uh, and they bring in all the appraisers to, to talk about them and, and the like. And uh, I find that uh, when, when, they've, when they do the show, they did the show in 2000 to 2005 or 2007, uh, a lot of the values were higher. When they came back, then when they came back in 2018, 19, 17, and the only explanation I have for that is that in 2002, four, five, prior to that, there was no internet. There was no internet mm-hmm. in the in the way that we think about it today. 
there are young people who don't who were who were born and and after that era but if you if you have less items out there that people know about you get higher valuations and then later now the stuff is ubiquitous it's all over the place right it's on eBay it's here it's there there are lots more auctions some things that had a higher value then because of their uh, they were perceived as being uh, less available are now more available things are coming out of the woodwork so things are getting less uh, are being recorded as worth less are selling for less and I think it's I think it's interesting how technology is able to, has, has, has actually done that one of the other things that's beautiful about the technological uh, advancements from from music is there are a lot of uh, older vinyl recordings that are being remastered remastered series um, because they uh, coming off vinyl being remastered into digital they go back through them they clean them up and uh, make the sound even more clear go back to the old recordings in a studio remaster the work uh, change the volume levels and this and that and uh, just clean up all the odd sounds and scratches and things that that might have occurred or any sounds that were out there and a lot of older works are being remastered right now yeah that's amazing uh, but i also find it fascinating because they're i and i'm not that educated on this so you may know more about it but the fact that vinyl captures more nuances in sound than what Mm -hmm. digital does which is why you're seeing the vinyl coming back people want that they want all of the tones now am i correct in when i'm saying tones michael or is it something else beyond that 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 people are missing from the digital era of music it's the way the music you know it's it's the way that the music is translated uh, digital translates different than vinyl and it's all new it's all nuances of 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 the sound that's being created it's not just the tone so is it is it the sound vibration and resonance then that yeah that, that's okay. every instrument every instrument's resonance vibration and sound it totally it's just different um if you listen to a recording that was uh from the 1930s uh it will have a lot of tinniness to it right as tendency mm-hmm. to be tinny um where you're getting lots of highs some mid-range not a lot of lows okay and so you'll have based on the sophistication of the of the recording process you'll have a a difference in uh in in all the you know every nuance of the uh of the music that's that's being recorded i find that i find the retro angle of uh of of vinyl today to be um twofold um one might be the fact that it's nostalgic it's different it's not digital so there's a retro um vibe people wanting to you know get away from digital and go back to the way things were and the other is sound i guess um it's it's uh, i have not listened to a um i gave up my record player uh it's still back in california at my mother's house i think um i gave up a lot of that a while back because i couldn't travel out here with it but um the 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 fact is that they are the it's it's putting the record on but it's how the music is interpreted through the electronics that you had see back then we had tubes and today you have uh you have um digital components even within an amplifier that um that translates music from a uh, record even if you put an older record on the components that you're using that has a lot to do with the way the music is is what you hear in the music uh, so I'm it's not that I'm not sold on on going back to records at this particular point however uh, I do find that it's it's I mean if you listen to a, a, a song in an, in an eye and an earbud or or, or versus headphones the song is going to sound completely different in headphones than it does in the earbud mm-hmm. the earbud is not sophisticated enough to capture all of the nuances of highs and lows right so it kind of sticks to the middle range, and so your 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 headphones, which is why a lot of people wear headphones when they walk. They don't wear earbuds, 
they were Bluetooth headphones. And those Bluetooth headphones not only shut out the noise because they're noise-canceling, the outside white noise, but they allow more of the sound to to penetrate uh, your ear. So that's um, that's pretty pretty uh, amazing in its own right. So uh, if you're out, again, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of, of uh, wearing headphones when I'm out walking or whatever because I'm kind of mm-hmm. missing something. Um, however... Uh, it is it is quite uh, quite natural for people to wear headphones nowadays under those circumstances. I wear them when I fly, all the time, and I love listening through headphones when I fly because I used to fly ten and a half hours each way between here and Europe a couple times a month, and and the drone of engines at thirty nine thousand feet can can be stressful. You have to wear it out. It wears you out because your mind is 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 trying to minimize the white noise trying to mitigate the white the white noise and so it's using energy you're using energy to do that without you even knowing it you're doing it so you're you're more tired getting off a plane at 10 hours where you have no headphones on and when you wear headphones and you can mitigate that noise just eliminate it you have more energy when you get to your destination no, so you so, no you're absolutely right and i mean you know we know that sound heals i mean it's been used by mystics and healers and (laughs) everybody else in between and this I mean I'm very fascinated with the Cephegio frequencies which is the 528 you know they again the frequency of love miracles and healing and I think that that is why I so appreciated you bringing this into my consciousness today because it makes me more conscious, okay, what am I going to pick on my playlist tonight? What do I want to bring in? I mean, more love miracles and healing? Absolutely. Sign me up for that any, any day of the week. You know? yeah. And to be able to, to know that something invisible and that vibration and that resonance is moving that energy. It's moving it through me. It's moving it around me. It's creating... It's creating that state of receptivity that I want to to utilize to attract in what it is that I do want, and uh, and I just you know I'm really grateful, Michael, because it made me think about Coda, you know, all these different things, and that's what I I enjoy so much about being here on the show with you, and, and I'm sure the audience does too, because there's so many nuances we never know where the show is is going to take us but the fact that we have this ability to be connected not only through love but through this invisible is just amazing to me and, well, it is. Uh, yeah it is it's more than such i want to before we we've got a couple just a couple minutes but um our audience uh might want to check out dr jeffrey thompson on youtube uh, the Jeffrey is two S, so it's Doctor and then J E F F R E Y Thompson, T H O M P S O N, Doctor Jeffrey Thompson. Some really really cool stuff, um, just to help broaden your horizons when it comes to the healing quality of music, uh, and uh, which is maybe music likely that you've never heard before. Uh, style of, but it, it, it's music with a purpose, and that purpose is to help you. Um, feel as good as you can feel it's probably the simplest mm-hmm. way uh to to put it and uh so i i would encourage our listeners to uh to check it out Dr. dr jeffrey thompson on youtube um by the mm, way thank you. uh i re- i refer to those drums as taiko drums taiko yes. um because it, because I, I my first wife was japanese i went to a lot of events um and i uh uh, where Taiko was drumming was taking place, um, and uh, that's uh, really really cool. That's spelled T A I K O, and you can go on YouTube and check out uh, Taiko Drummers of Japan, uh, which or is, Kodo K O D O, right? That's yeah, who Kodo, I saw. Yeah, Kodo mm-hmm. Odaiko. Kodo Odaiko is Japanese drummers. They're playing Taiko. Those the the Kodo is is, is the drummers themselves. <laughs> Kodo. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, Kodo, the Kodo, uh, uh, Kodo uh, Odaiko is uh, is the drumming, uh, the drumming group. Taiko is the name of the 
the drumming, and you can learn taiko for drum beats for beginners on YouTube. It's really kind of cool. So imagine oh, what fun. you could do if you took up, if you if you uh, decided to get into this for your own edification and your own um, healing. It's really cool. And if you ever get a chance to to catch, I know down at ja- uh, in the, in the, in the Walt Disney World in Epcot Center there is. Uh, taiko. There's a the, they do a taiko drumming several times at the Japanese pavilion. So oh, they about do. Have a fun. Half a minute. Yeah, but listen, I want to say thank you for this. The music's been awesome. I hope our audience has really very much enjoyed this. I know I have. And, I have uh, too. Thank I, you. I really uh, want to say hey, much love to you and our audience. And uh, looking forward to another show next week. Absolutely. Thank you.